somebody, you better move. When you hear quickly from your daddy, you better move. We see me and Pop see a car outside and we, the door's locked and we're, I, I'm not quiet about anything. Don't say amen. Don't do it. I'm banging on that door. A gentleman comes in and he said, ma'am, what do you need? I said, I need to look through this church. I need to look through this house. He said, for? I said, my daddy said it was for sale. He said, ma'am, it's already sold. I said, well, can you excuse me a minute so I can look at it anyway? Well, I guess. I go through and I start weeping. I go through and I see a gym and I see all the rooms and I see all the things. He said, I just want you to know that it's sold. The next day, my son was out of town and I call Brandon and Jen and I said, we need to go look at this building. I said, I think it's ours. So all four of us are looking through the window at the door that's locked. Come on, somebody. Now here comes Brandon. The same gentleman unlocks the door and he said, ma'am, I told you it was sold. I'm saying this for a reason. He said, I told you it was sold. I said, I want to show my son. And he said, well, what's the purpose of that? I said, well, this might be the blueprint of everything that he ever desired and things that he showed me and things he talked about and saying, I know, I know it's going to be a nice sanctuary and I know there's going to be a gym and I know there's going to be, there should be a shot right there. And all of a sudden, the gentleman said, well, I guess you could come in and come through. We get all the way around and when he hits the gym, tears start dripping down Brandon's face. I said, I told you. We come in, and there's a room, and some of you don't know, but there's a room right behind that, that mountain. And so we came through the green room and come up here, and we stood, and then we went to take the step. And a big gentleman walks through the door of the church. And he said, I said, I, I hope I didn't interrupt anything, sir, to this man beside me. He said, no, no, you didn't interrupt anything. And he got a little nervous, and I wasn't sure what was going on. And the gentleman comes in, and he goes, I was on 25th Street, and the Spirit of God hit me, and he told me to get here. I'm the owner of this church. He goes, are you the church that want to buy this church? What? Brandon sits down right where Brandon's at. Brandon sat down, and the man, the owner of this building, throws the keys up and lands him in my son's lap. And he said, we'll take care of finances later. Just open up the door. Three days later, we had over a thousand altogether people from foster care. Three days later, we just turned the lights on. We just started turning the lights on. The mayor was here. We had food. We had gifts. Presents were stacked from here all the way to here. Kids were like, come on, somebody. We weren't sure what was going on, but we wanted to make ourselves available to whatever God wanted. And when we opened up the door, God opened up the door. Amen. 
But what did he require of us? We couldn't just come in and see the wind blow of God and not, we would be shaken if we saw thousands of people come in here and if we weren't ready. But what does he require of you? Have you ever wondered that? Did you ever think that from my home with eight people to a storefront on 13th Street, we were full. We had to knock out a wall to another room and then we got full in there. Come on. So we started looking for a building. We got in trouble for that. You ever stepped the cart before the horse and everything starts falling apart because you're trying to do it in your own self? So God said, I don't want you to look in anymore for buildings. And we said, man, what are we going to do? This thing is so full on 13th Street. What are we going to do? When we let go of it, daddy called. <laughs> when we let go of it, daddy called. And the next thing we know, we're doing all these things. But God knew that we were ready for the shift. Did we know we hadn't seen this place? We did not know. Let me go a little bit farther. Do you see these floors right here? This used to be a racetrack. And about 30 years ago, there was a prophecy that was over me that was spoken to me about 30 years ago that there was going to be an unraveling with my family and something I was going to inherit. I had no idea what that, what that meant. I didn't know what was going on, but I went ahead and just said, whatever you want, God. 20 years or so goes by, and this was my uncle's racetrack. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm starting to see the whole thing unfold as God establishes what he wants. But what does he require of you? Are you ready? Can you be established if a shift comes? Moses asked the same question to Israel as they prepared to enter the place that God had promised them. He asked the same thing. Moses already reminded Israel of God's faithfulness and power to deliver them from Egypt and the provision that God gave them over the past 40 years. Over and over and over, time and time again, he gave them his presence, his word, the law, the food, protection, deliverance, and victory. But what did he want in return? God's given you favor, your food, protection, victory. But what does God want in return? Uh, they murmured and complained. You ever murmured and complained? It's too hot out here. You know, it, it, what's interesting is when I spoke in Africa and we did a crusade, there wasn't no walls. It was over 100 degrees. There was no fans. And you better hope you find water. But see, we murmur. We're in a place that we murmur and complain. Listen, I didn't find no shower. I had to find water to wash myself in a bucket. Uh, 
I had to pour water on my hair just to try to wash my hair. We murmur and complain. He gives us provision. This is not enough. What am I? This is not good enough. I'm in a small apartment. Can't I just have? Can't I just have? Can't I just have? I'd rather have a better car. Can't I just have? It's a mindset. When I got back from Africa, I went in, I took a hot shower, and I started weeping. Pop runs in and he goes, you good? Is everything okay? I said, we're a spoiled country. We look at our clocks or our phones. Wonder what time it is. I better go. These seats are a little comfortable, but mm, the, ones in, the white ones are not very comfortable. I'm not sitting there. What if a whole bunch of people comes in and you've been here for a long time? Sit in the back seat. Let them come in. You get me? He said time and time again, you had his presence. You had food. You had protection. All you did was murmur and complain. He wanted them to be totally committed. I'm going to go there because I'm going to make you turn to your side for just a minute. Totally committed to him and his love. Your obedience. When my daddy called, I said, we got to go, Pop. He said, there's a building that's ready. And even though somebody else on the other side of the door said, no, this is not for sale. Sometimes you've got to be persistent. Do you know I didn't question one time, and neither did they, when, we said, when they said, I'm so sorry, you can't have this. This is not for sale. This building is not for sale. Do you know all these chairs were left here? Soundboard. Behind this mountain is a grand piano. There was things left here. Everything that we needed because we kept saying, how are we going to do this? On 13th Street is a storefront. And all we have is these white chairs. See, y'all don't know, but see, them chairs were our blessings. We were thankful that we were sitting in them chairs. I remember one time Pastor Brandon said, we're going to put all the chairs up and everybody's going to stand. It got very uncomfortable in that room. Well, what am I going to do? See, we're so used to scooting back in a chair and getting comfortable. But see, God wants us to build. There's requirements to it. He wants us to be totally committed. He wants us to enjoy the relationship that we have with him. See, you've got to be committed to him. I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy. See, the demands that the Lord made upon them when Moses, Moses made a demand on the Israelites. And he said, this is going to be the requirements for you. See, we don't like that word. You're going to give me requirements? And here they were acting like a fool. They had everything they ever wanted, and they were acting foolish. The Israelites were acting foolish. But the demand that happened from Moses to Israel is the demand that God said for us today.
Oh, well, you're talking about the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere. What does God require of you? Deuteronomy 10, 10 to 13. I myself stayed on the mountain. This is Moses talking. I myself stayed on the mountain as at the first time, 40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was unwilling to destroy you. Oh. <laughs> the Lord was unwilling to destroy you. And the Lord said to me, arise, go on your journey at the head of the people. You hear me, Brandon? I got your name on here. I had, I've had this marked for a long time. And the Lord said to me, shepherd, arise and go on your journey at the head of the people so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore in their fathers to give them. Verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk on all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I commanded you today for your own good. Number one. If you got paper and pen, you might want to know what your requirements are. If you got your phone, you might want to know what your requirements are. What does the Lord require of you? Number one, committed to fear the Lord. Listen to what it said. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God? Number one. When Moses speaks of the fear of the Lord, it's not referring to sense of terror or dread. The Lord wants closeness with his people. The fear of the Lord is reverence and awe that acknowledges the greatness and sovereignty of God. Let me say something. We've lost the fear of the Lord. The reverence and the sovereignty of God. There's many places that just do the one, two, and three. We're going to do a song and a little thing, and then we're going to close so we don't want to upset the people. That's the fear of man. That's a man-pleasing spirit. Come on, somebody. Where did the reverence go and the all of God go? It says it's a requirement to be committed to him with all your heart. You know, sometimes when you're, you're doing something and you like, you know you're not supposed to do that. And you could feel a tap every once in a while from the Spirit of God, and you still go ahead and go do that. That means you're not fearing the Lord, the reverence, and the awe of God. Romans 3.18 there is no fear of God before their eyes. Listen. That's all that scripture said. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Watch. 
What's the world doing right now? There is no fear of God before their eyes. They have no reverence, no sovereignty for God, no respect. This is God's house. We respect his house. There's times that we come in here after the service. There's crumbs all over the chairs. There's drinks all over the floor. There, somebody. That's no respect. This is God's house. There's no fear of God before their eyes. The root cause of sin is failure to fear and honor God. That's a root cause. When you do not fear and you do not honor God, the world is not honoring God right now. It's a mess. There's no respect. There's no sovereignty. The root cause a failure is not to fear God. If the Israelites had the fear of the Lord, they wouldn't have made a golden calf going somewhere. They gave their possessions, their jewelry, their gold that God gave them out of Egypt. Is there possessions and is there treasures that God has given you out of your Egypt, out of your bondage? God gave them that. And they decided to take all the treasure that God gave them from, from Egypt. God gave them that. And they started melting it and making an image to worship. You better be careful what you're melting and what you got an image of. See, sometimes when you're in a battle, God gives you the spoil. You got to know when you're supposed to have the spoil and when you're not supposed to take the spoil. And in the word of God, David had wars and battles. And all of a sudden, God said, go take every bit of that spoil. And he took all the treasures and he took all the animals. He took everything that God wanted him to do. And then there was times he was in a battle and all of a sudden, God said, don't you take that spoil. Don't take it. Can you imagine all the gold and treasures? I, I mean, it, it would be unbelievable. He literally feared God and he turned his head and didn't take that. They had jewelry, gold. That, that, that was the spoil that God gave them from Egypt to make an image and worship it. That was a smack in the face to God. He gave them treasure. And they threw it on the ground and let it be melted and made an image of a different God. That means they didn't have the fear of God. Because they turned their heads. How long do we have to wait? When's Moses coming down off the mountain? And there's Moses 
up in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And God's giving him the commandments written with the finger of God. Can you imagine that? The mountain become consuming with fire. He said, don't, don't let them come near the mountain because they're not ready. See, you got to have a requirement. Moses couldn't have went up the mountain without a requirement. See, some of you think, oh, I'm just going to God. you got to have to have a requirement. Are you fully committed to what he wants and reverencing him, fearing him? Moses is up on the mountain and all of a sudden the fire and the consuming fire of God starts rolling over that mountain and God goes up to Moses. Moses doesn't know everything that's going on down there. He's been with these rebellious people. You ever been with rebellious people that are not listening? Come on. Whoo! Rebellious family that's not listening. A brother, sister, wife, mother, nephew, aunt and uncle, just a friend. And here he's been with them this whole time. So he goes up to the mountain. He fasts no food and no water up on the mountain with God. And all of a sudden, the thunder and the lightning starts coming over the mountain. And God said, you should see what they're doing down there. I don't know about you, but if I've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and asking God for the commandments and God's asking him to come up to that place. And all of a sudden, he hears a discipline from God. You should see what they're doing down there. Moses has to come down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Come on, somebody. And he sees them dancing around a golden calf. And he sees them after they had the treasures from God. That's why God tapped on Moses and said, you should see what's going on down there. I just gave them the treasures from Egypt and now they're worshiping somebody else but me. You worship in your money? Do you worship something else besides him first? Come on. And Moses came down and he was so angry. And he threw them stones and shattered them stones. Here's his brother Aaron that was leading the whole pack. You ever had leadership that's not listening to God either? Come on, somebody. Aaron, his brother, he also caved in. He had the fear of man instead of the fear of God. Because, see, the Israelites said, come on, Aaron, what are we doing? I mean, how long is he going to be up there? I mean... We need to go ahead and do what we need to do. And he, Aaron caved in. You ever had a leader that's caved in? Come on, somebody. I can't imagine what Moses saw and what he felt when he come down off of that mountain after being with God and seeing the mess that he saw. 
after you be with God and you go out there in that world and see the mess that's going on. Women marrying women, men marrying men. Things happening that we've never seen. It says in the last days it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said he would come. It would be like the days of Noah. Come on somebody. So here we could be with God. Walk out of here and all of a sudden you see other things that's so dark. Moses came down. He watched his brother that was making that image. He caved in himself. Moses didn't have the conviction and the principles of the one true God. He didn't have the fear of God. He had the fear of man. What kind of fear do you have? Are you committed to the fear of God? Or are you committed to the fear of man? Because I ain't scared. It's fuel to my fire. But I'll only go when God tells me to go. And I'll only do what he tells me to do. See, sometimes you get the cart before the horse. Because sometimes you think, okay, I got this. But sometimes if he does if you don't fill in the full requirements, how can you go up and do what you need to do? You know what Moses did? I said, you know what? That would be just like me doing that. He walked up and he crushed that golden calf. Do you know that thing was only this big? You know, sometimes people think, oh my goodness, it was a huge golden calf. No, it wasn't. It was, it, it was only like this big. It was all their gold and all their jewelry. Do you know you could have golden jewelry, but when you met it, melt it down, it's only like that big. You think, oh my goodness, I'm going to turn all this in. You can melt all that. And then it comes out like, that's not very much. But they danced around that anyway. And they, because see what they did is they left Egypt, but they didn't leave Egypt out of their mind. It was easy for them to leave Egypt. It was easier. But you know what's funny is how they left Egypt was tough. How you left your Egypt was tough. You could have been pulled on your addictions. You could have been angry from being abused. How you left your Egypt. But you got to leave Egypt out of here, out of your mind. You have to make up your mind. To have the fear of the Lord, you have to have a commitment to the reverence and the awe. And isn't it funny how in the beginning it was the reverence and the awe. The first requirement was the reverence and the awe of God. Moses come up and he literally crushed, crushed that goat. He smashed it and crushed it. See, when you have a full requirement and you've been with God, you can crush the enemy. You can crush an image. He'd been with God. He crushed it that it was so fine until there was only dust left in that image. See, sometimes you're going to have to crush till it's so fine of an image that's in your life. 
It might be an image of pornography. And you can't get that out of your mind. You, you had that, somebody showed you something at eight years old, and you can't get that out of your mind. You need to crush it. Till it's so fine, there's nothing left. Because I want to respect and I want to honor God. But see, you've got to make up your mind. Yes, no, maybe so. First requirement, first commitment is the fear of the Lord. Number two, committed to walk in all his ways. What does the Lord require of you? To walk in all his ways. Get as close as you can. Do what he does. Say what he says. Follow God's lead and become like him in his character and his conduct. Do whatever you can and get as close as you can. I know when people are close to God. You ever know somebody that's close to God? You walk up to them and you know they've been with the Lord. And then you can come by somebody and you go, ooh. They've been with everything else but the Lord. But I got to do this and I got to do that. And when I get up at 8 o'clock, then I have to go to work and, and I got to do this. And I'll, I'll make time for you. Hang on, God. And you know, if you don't do that and seek him first, seek him first is what it says. I do not get out of bed until I pray. I don't care if that alarm's going off. I'm not going to jump up and turn that alarm off. Even though Pop says, are you going to turn it off? I'm praying. I'm seeking him first before my feet hit that ground. But see, a habit becomes a lifestyle. If you do it and you become, it becomes a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. Do it for 21 days and see if you don't just start doing it. I'm going to seek him first. I want to walk in his ways. I'm going to fear the Lord. I want to be committed to everything that he's asking. I want to do them requirements so I can build to his kingdom. Follow God's lead. 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Je Jesus imitated his father while he was on the earth. And now we are to imitate him. And we will also be like our father. We will walk in step with him. See, Jesus was the greatest example to that. The steps of a righteous are ordered of his spirit. That means the steps of a right person in right standards with God is ordered of his spirit. The steps of it. It didn't say your mind of it or it didn't say your hands. It says the steps of the righteous. The steps that we take in right standards with, with God are ordered of his spirit. When God sent us through this doorway of this church, we were ordered of his spirit. Even though it was locked, even though they said it was so... And when you walked through the door, you were ordered of his spirit. Because the steps of the righteous man are ordered. Your commitment to walk in all his ways. It didn't say, hey, can you walk in some of his ways? It says to walk in all his ways. Ooh, what's that mean? 
See, I'm a person that will search. What's that mean? What's that mean to walk in all of his ways? Because I want to do that. And sometimes he'll say, I need you to wait. And you know what's interesting is when Moses came down the first time and seeing all that he saw, he prostrated out onto the ground and started crying to God and said, please don't destroy them. Please don't destroy them. He was taking steps down off the mountain. God said, I need you to come down off the mountain. See, sometimes you're up on the mountaintop and sometimes you're in the valley. Sometimes you don't know. You have to know your steps. You have to know when God's got you up on the mountain to say some things to you. And when you're in the valley to reach who you need to reach. It affected Moses. I'll tell you what, I thought about it, Sam, and I thought, I would be nervous if I broke the commandments, the stones. Whoo, what? Shattered them. After God put his finger and wrote the commandments, he was so mad. It so affected him. See, we have to be careful what affects us. We have to be careful how we walk it and what affects us and what tries to make us angry. All of a sudden, he prostrated out on the floor, on the ground, and he started crying out. And he said, God, please don't destroy them. And man, please don't destroy Aaron, my brother, the one that led it. Guess what happened? God's steps on Moses was in prayer. I'm going to go there for a second. And because of intercession and prayer and crying out, it stood, he stood in the gap and he made up a hedge that they wouldn't be destroyed. Are you standing in the gap for somebody? Are you making up a hedge in prayer for somebody so they won't be destroyed? People are going to hell in a handbasket. My daddy would say that. I've seen it be, it's turned up guys. It's turned up. The darkness is turned up. The light should be turned up. We should be committed to walk in all of his ways. Deuteronomy 5. I love this. Verse 32 and 33. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God commanded you. Uh-oh. You shall be careful to do as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all of his ways as the Lord commanded you, that you may live and that you may go, it may go well with you, and that you may live a long life in the land that you shall possess. Okay, let me go somewhere real quick. That first time you saw that, that I was giving you an image, that Moses came off of the mountain, that was the first time he came off the mountain. Hear me. That's when he saw the calf, the golden calf, and all the things that happened. He laid down on the floor and he cried out to God that they wouldn't be destroyed. And guess what he said? I won't destroy them. He could have destroyed them in a minute. 
See, we don't have a fear of the Lord that think God's going to destroy us. Oh, no, we're good. I'll just peek over and see that just for a second. I'll just straddle the fence and do some things in the world and come over. No, that's not how this is working. You're either all in or all out. And see, there's been so much wishy-washy. People doing one, saying one thing out of their mouth and doing another. You think that doesn't look like a reflection to the world that you all of a sudden you got your mouth running and somebody would say, well, I thought you were a leader at Remnant Church. I thought you went to Remnant Church. Man, you just cussed somebody out. What kind of reflection is that? What kind of image is that? So here's Moses, and after he cries out, he burns that image, and God said, I want you to come back up to the mountain. I'm going to give you the commandments again. God's heart was so heavy for the commandments of God to give them the rules and the laws of the things that God wanted to do. The rules and the laws that God wanted to do. If we don't read this, then we won't know. How are you going to know the instructions of God in the way that you're supposed to go and the way you're supposed to walk and talk and have your being in Him? Where do you stand? Are you going to make up your mind? To walk in all his ways. Requirement. Number three. What does the Lord require of you? Committed to love. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 5 and 6. Moses was saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words will be on your heart. See, there was a stone that was, and God wrote on the, his finger on the stone. And then it was shattered that Moses did. And then God pulled him back up. And he said, I want to do this different. I'm going to place it in a, I'm going to do the stone, but I'm going to place it in a box. I'm going to make an ark. And he had to bring that down. But see, Moses was saying, he, he looks at them after all that happened. He already went through all kinds of stuff with these people. Murmuring and complaining and Doing all these things. Because see, in Deuteronomy, this is the second time Moses is, is asking the question. The first time was in Exodus when it first started happening. But God brought Moses all the way back through and said, Are you going to listen to these requirements to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? And then in the New Testament, it said, And love your neighbor as yourself. Can you love yourself? How can you love God if you can't love yourself? 
How can you love your neighbor if you can't love yourself? See, I tell some people sometimes, and I see people get ruffled and, and doing things, and they're trying to get this, and they're trying to do this. I say, can you be good in your own skin? What? Can you love yourself? Because, see, some people have been hurt by what they thought was love. So they had an image of something they thought was love when it really wasn't. So they were hurt, whether it was a stepfather that abused them, and that's all they knew. So they walked through that the whole time and never shattered that image of love. So they brought it into their marriage, and then he abuses his wife, and he abuses his children. Come on, somebody. Then we got a generational curse. It just keeps going on. And then the grandkids, and then the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. See, and nobody broke that image. There's many different love languages. Words of affirmation, physical affection, gift, giving, service, time. There's love languages. Do you know your love language? To have a healthy relationship, you must learn your partner's love language. Hello. What was God's love language? If you want to partner with God, you must know his love language. We all know this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. He sent his only son. He loved the world so much. This world's horrible right now. But can we love? Can we love like he loves? He laid down his life. He took upon all the sins on the cross, on his body. I can't. What I see right now with all the sins, I can't imagine what what Jesus Christ went through. No, I really can't imagine what he really went through. He loved us that much. And we can't love. We can't be committed to love. Well, uh, you know, this person hurt me. So it says love your enemy. Who's your neighbor? I'm not talking about the person next to your house. I'm talking about your neighbor. Can you love your neighbor as yourself? John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love for God is not optional. It's an obligation. Love is not optional. It's an obligation. It's a command. No holding back. No giving our best, but no second best. He wants a love relationship with us. See, how many times in the day that you say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. I'm so in love with you, God. Thank you, God. How many times do you call somebody and say, I love you? No, I love you. 
Love is a big word. And he wants us to have that commitment to that. So here's Moses saying, he wants a commitment to, for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. The Israelites didn't give their full love to God, their full devotion, their best. They ended up worshiping the golden calf, the image, another God, not the true God. See, to worship is a love scene. It's not about a song. It's about love. It's about you singing to God and God singing to you. And you ever heard sometimes when the worship starts and all of a sudden you know, you can close your eyes and you know that God's singing over you. Man. And you feel this close relationship with Jesus Christ and the love that God has for you. See, what they did is they turned their love that was supposed to be for God and they put it to the golden calf. They loved and worshipped the golden calf, the image. What do you love? Do you love something before God? Because it says seek Him first. I mean, search, search that. Search that in your heart. Do you love your husband before you love God? Do you love your grandchildren? See, I had to release my children. I had to release my grandchildren to God. Come on, somebody. Because I'll tell you what, as a grandma, I'm, I'm just going to take... Grandma. That's funny. As a nana, that sounds better. I don't know. Mimi, Glammy, come on. There's all kinds of names. But when you, ha you have to release them... You love them so much that you have to release them to God. And I'll tell you what, you have to release your husband to God. You have to release your children to God. Because you know what? If you don't, you're in God's way. That means you can't trust God to take care of your children, to take care of your spouse, to take care of your grandchildren. What's your level of love? If I have a level of love with Pop, I can trust him. I can trust him. Do I trust others? Mm. I'm going to go there. So me and him were walking in Kroger's. And we have our cart. And a woman comes up, walks up, and I don't know her. And I know that she doesn't serve the Lord. I see things. See, you got to have a discernment. She said, he's my therapy husband. Excuse me. He only has one wife. And I thought, ooh, I'm going to get in my flesh. This is not going to be good at Kroger's. And I had to turn and I had to look at my husband because I trust him, but I don't trust other things. And so, see, you have to get down on the floor and you got to pray and you say, God, please don't destroy that. You got to release it again because you love that much. You love that person so much that you have to release them to God. Are you committed in love to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? 
Do you love him with all that? Because he did. He loved so much that he went up and laid on that cross. God sent his only begotten son. I can't imagine what God was thinking when he was looking down at the world going, oh my goodness, it's going to hell in a handbasket. He's pacing back and forth and said, is there anybody, anybody in heaven that could go down there? Anybody, could anybody go? Moses saw the same thing. He was up in the heavens, up in the mountains with God and comes down and sees the mess because God said, there's a mess down there. You need to come. So God used Moses in the Old Testament, but God used Jesus in the New. The perfect, spotless lamb, he said, I'll go. Send me. Can you imagine when God said, send me? That he he said, send me. And he knew that there was nothing but chaos in the world. After he sent them, pulled the angels, Lucifer and his angels crashing down in the earth and brought darkness. You tell me there is not darkness in the world right now. Can you love no matter what? Can you love when somebody's cussing you out? Can you love when somebody throws beer on you and tells you, tells you off? Pop. That just happened to him last week. Can you love anyway? Now see, Jesus would have to help me if somebody did that to me. If somebody started throwing food and throwing beer on me and cussing, Jesus would have to help me. Could I love anyway and be the example that I'm supposed to be? Would I be committed to love? Could I take that requirement? You need to make up your mind. I'm telling you, I know I heard God when he said, tell them to make up their mind. Are they going to take the commitments, the full commitments and the full requirements that I'm asking them? See, what's going to happen is this foundation's been laid and God's wanting to build the walls. So he wants ones that have got a full commitment so they can, I'm going to go there. So they can come in and help build so God can move and have his being. Number four. It says... What does the Lord require of you to fear the Lord, to walk on all his ways and to love him, and to serve the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your being? Here's a big one. Committed to serve. Wholehearted love for the Lord will result in wholehearted service for the Lord. Come on. Wholehearted love for God I'm I'm telling you, it'll result in wholehearted service for the Lord. See, it just comes hand in hand. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, you're just walking in the ways of God. All you have to do is, all you can do is serve. 
Well, I don't want to serve. Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart? Are you fearing the Lord? Are you walking in his ways? Because it just pours out of you to serve. No, I don't want to do that. But I could do that. No, no, no. That's not what it says. Wholehearted love results in wholehearted service. It would just come natural. See, if it comes, it should come natural. But see, we like to pick and choose. Jesus was the greatest example of serving. The way Jesus served people had to blow the minds of the disciples. He talked with the outcast, the Samaritan woman. He stopped to have lunch with the hated tax collector. He touched unclean lepers. He served children, women, prostitutes, foreigners, Roman soldiers, beggars. Serving the least is, is the only way to become least. He served the prostitutes, but he served the Roman soldiers. He served the beggar. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. See, your love should just be a result of serving. How could we pick and choose when it says, I'm commanding you, this is a requirement to serve. But you, you got to be in the right place at the right time, see. And see, I'm going to go back again. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, it just keeps coming over and over to me, Pastor Brandon. The foundation is laid. He wants to build the walls. And he's saying he wants these requirements so you can help get in and build the walls. Because something's coming. And the harvest is going to be great. But what's it say? Comma. But the laborers are few. Wholehearted love is, re it goes hand in hand with wholehearted service. Just like me and Jen, Pastor Jen said, okay, well, if we need to go back there, we'll go back there. If they, they, if they need something, we, it's okay. Pastor Sam, Nana, can you be here tomorrow to cut up a whole bunch of watermelon? Yeah, I'll be there. Me and Papa be there. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Serve. We know that they were, all them youth were going to have all that watermelon. So here we're just a slicing away. But see, they didn't know that. And see, what's the problem is we don't do it in joy. Jesus walked. And the disciples said, why are you going to Samaria? You're not supposed to go there. You're not welcome there. I need to stop right here. And he was walking in all God's ways, and he took a step, and he went and stood there at that well. And here comes that Samaritan woman. And what did he do? He asked her for a drink, and she served him. He said, but I got water that you'll never thirst no more. And he served her. She ran back to her city, and that was the greatest evangelist thing. That woman started a riot. That woman started a harvest. See, when you serve, it becomes a riot. 
When you serve, it becomes a harvest. Do you even know? Do you even know that there's a harvest coming? Can you even hear that something's getting ready to happen and we need the walls built? Do you even hear it? Oh, I don't see anybody coming. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Fear the Lord. Walk in his ways. Serve him. Be committed. Because see what commitment does? It builds the house. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be a part of that or not. Make up your mind. I'm telling you, I think God's drawn a line in the sand. And he's saying, if you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're... See, I've never been that person. I'll never straddle the fence. If I'm in, I'm all the way in. I mean, I'm all the way in. And the time that I was out, I was all the way out. But I didn't straddle the fence to say, well, I'll serve a little bit, but then I need to be served. See, see, we got a taker mentality. Can you serve me? Guess what the Israelites did? Well, we've had manna for all this time. Can't we have some meat? Where's the water? Serve yourself. He said, God, where's the water? God said, if you'll speak to that rock, I'll bring water out of it. See, you don't even know the authority that you carry. You don't even know. You don't see signs and wonders like you should. I would like for God to say, speak to that rock and let water come. Mm. And he said, they said, where's our manna? That's all we have. Where's our meat? Where's our meat? See, they were takers. We got to be servers. And guess what God did? He got tired of hearing them. He's going to get tired of hearing you thinking, oh, I got to have this. And I can, can, can you serve me? Let me sit down. And God said, they want me? I'm about to give them meat. And he opened up heaven and quail fell out of heaven over and over. It was stacked high. Made him so sick. And I think God was saying, stop doing that. Stop thinking that you always have to be the taker. Can't you be the server? Can you commit to serve? Hmm. Loving God, loving people, serving God, serving people. When we serve others, it's actually counted as serving Him. Matthew 25, 35 through 36. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. God is looking for total commitment, total involvement. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. When you serve, you serve him. You ain't serving me. I'm not saying that you wouldn't serve me and give me something to drink. I'm saying when you come into this house, you are serving him. When you go out there and you give somebody something to eat, or you give somebody a dollar, or you say, oh my goodness, somebody's in the hospital, I need to go visit them. You've done it unto him. You didn't do that for anybody else. And quit putting a pat on your back. 
It says you've done it unto him. Are you going to be committed to serve? It's a requirement. That's a big word. Are you? The the Israelites served the other gods. That was not the one true God. Like they did in Egypt. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? They walked all the way out. And they they, they waited on Moses and said, Moses, it's taking too long. So they made that image. Guess what that image was? It was the reminder of them in Egypt. Because there was images of gods in Amorites. So everything that they remembered after leaving Egypt that long, they went and made images that they remembered in Egypt. Come on, somebody. Because, see, sometimes you could be walking and you could be saved for 10 years, but you still have an image in your mind that you need to crush. Joshua 24, 15. But if if serving the Lord seems undesirable... If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Isn't it funny? They were living in a land of the Amorites. And God is saying, choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You better hear that. Because, see, he said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose who you're going to serve. And what he was trying to say is, if you want to serve these other gods and you want to serve this other stuff besides God, then choose it. Make up your mind. Quit thinking you're going to serve on this side and do these little things and serve on the other side. No, he said, serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Make up your mind. Could the pursuit of pleasure be stealing from your loyalty to serve God? Could it? The pursuit of pleasure... Could it be stealing the loyalty to serve God? What's your pleasure? I like to do this and I like to do that. And I like, is it more the pursuit that you want to do instead of the pursuit of God? Number five. Last one. That don't mean move around, please. Isn't that funny? Number five, what does the Lord require of you? Committed to keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 10, 13. To keep the commandments and the statures of the Lord, which I command you this day, for your good. The commandments are the divine rule to obey. It's a mandate and it's an order. Somebody. The statures are written laws and decrees, which means in Hebrew to set in stone. Things were being set in stone. 
See, what's interesting is the commandments that came off the mountain and God used Moses to come up and look down at the world and then God used Jesus to come down and look at the world and die for all of our sins. Is the finger of God written on your heart? I mean written on your heart. Psalms 119, 33 and thir- through 35. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statures, and I will keep them to the end. It didn't say, I'm going to keep them every once in a while. It says, I'm going to keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with all my whole heart. Give me, do, have you asked for understanding? That you can keep the law and observe it with your whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments. For I will delight in it. His ten commandments. These were the ones that were written. Isn't it funny that when I read these. Everything that God was writing on with the finger on the stones was what they were doing down here in the, in the, in the, the valley. Everything that God was trying to say of the commandments, the opposite was happening in the valley. You shall have no other gods before me, number one. <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. Oh my goodness. What was happening down here? God was writing it in the heavens and all the things were happening in the earth. They still didn't listen. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five. Honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. These are commandments. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. These are big words. Oh, it's just going wild in the earth. It don't matter. Hey, this don't matter. I can have an idol if I want. I can have adultery if I want. I can say the name of the Lord in vain if I want. Are you hearing me? Are you looking in the valley and seeing what Moses saw? Are you looking in the valley and seeing what God saw in the heavens and said, I need somebody to get down there? He's saying, I need somebody to go and serve. I need somebody. (laughs) Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Oh. Number 10, you shall not covet. These are the commandments that, that Moses came down from the mountain to give. Moses took the sinful calf and crushed it. And Jesus sit, as Jesus went, he crushed sin. See, what Moses did was a display in the Old Testament of what Christ was going to do. See, the New Testament is just the reflection of what happened in the Old. Moses went over there and he crushed it till it was nothing. Jesus got on the cross and he crushed it. 
It's very interesting how this reflection that God was showing me. You know, I've read Moses and I've read all that and I knew, you know, how he came down and he saw that and he cried out. And isn't it funny that, that Moses laid down and he prostrated out and he started crying and saying, please don't destroy them. And then Jesus, after he gets off the cross and he goes and sits at the right hand of the Father, he makes intercession and he's the high priest. He's laying there praying for us. It was the same reflection. I think we better make up our minds. Are you committed? Honest. To take away one of these requirements will result in imbalanced relationship with the wrong view of who God really is. To take one of these requirements away will be an imbalanced view of God. Well, I can love the Lord the, my God with all my heart. I really haven't been walking in His ways, and I don't serve. Guess what? You're going to have a view of what you think God is. That was the second time Moses came down. That's when he said, right before they was getting ready to go, the promised land, Jen, right when they were getting ready to go, he said, these are the requirements. And God's saying that we're getting ready to lift our foot up because something's getting ready to happen. And Moses said, there's a requirement to get to the promised land. And I believe I hear God say there's a requirement to get to the promised land, to possess the land. We're about to. And see, Moses, even though he went up to the mountain, you better hear me. Even though he went up to the mountain and he saw God and he saw the finger of God and he did the things that he was supposed to do. His anger got the best of him. You better be careful. And God told him, you will speak to the rock and the water will come out for them to drink. And no, he got angry and he hit the rock and water came out. And guess what? He didn't make it to the promised land. Are you going to make it? Deuteronomy 10, it goes right down just a little bit farther where I just read. 10.16 says, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. And be no longer stubborn. Ooh. Are you committed to fear the Lord? Are you committed to walk in all his ways? Are you committed to love your Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? Are you committed to serve, to keep his commandments, to keep his statures? Have you made up your mind? Because I'm going to tell you right now, God is not playing. And last night, I'm telling you, Pastor Brandon, shh, God, I thought I was done, and I flipped that thing over. And he said, no, you're not done. In 1962, prayer was banned in the schools. Hello. A year after I was born, Deb, that's going to tell my age real quick. In 1962, Prayer was banned in the schools. But in July 2022, they put prayer back into the schools. Oh, come. That should be a shout right there. 
There was a requirement and something happened because somebody took a stand. Just last year, last year, July, school got, prayer got back. I don't know about you, but man, that tears me up. In 1980, I graduated in 1980. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were removed from every school. Hello? We just sit back and watch it. In 2004, the commandments were removed in Tennessee. In 2005, the commandments were removed in Kentucky. 2015, it was removed in the middle of the night with a crane in Oklahoma. I'm talking about the commandments, the, what God was saying and how everything happened. And they brought it back to, see, the world don't want to hear it. See, they're blinded to it. And people were trying to stand and the Supreme Court came in and said, no, we don't want that. We don't want that on the court lawn. We don't want that. That won't be in the schools. Hello. In 2001, a Kentucky judge again orders the Ten Commandments displays in schools and the courtrooms to never, ever come. He come back and stood again and said, there will not be any commandments in the schools and there will not. Who's his voice? Where's our voice? We stand by and we just watch because you know what? Because we haven't stood for the complete requirements that God's wanting us to do so we can build and watch what God's getting ready to do. After they took prayer and the Ten Commandments out of the schools, I read this last night. After they took prayer and the Ten Commandments out of the school, teen pregnancy rised up, crime, suicide, Things started rising out of the schools. Gangs, crime, murder. Come on. Have we not seen shootings like we've never saw before in the schools? And we stand by. Well, they took prayer out of the school. I remember having Brandon and my children and when we would do that they would go where the flag was and I said well I'm going with you and we're going to pray well they took prayer out of school we're going to pray and we would stand around that and pray and ask God to do what he needs to do in the schools these kids are going to hell in a handbasket I'm telling you and I don't mean this in no way, Sam and Haley, but that's a hard job. And God's going to give you grace to that. And you stand in them requirements, son, to everything that God is asking you to do. Because you'll see the results of that. So all these commandments and statures, they tore him down. There were some that were so large of the commandments, they were ripping them apart and tearing them down. Can you make up your mind? 
I want you to stand with me. Do you fear the Lord? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul? Don't you bow your head with all your might? Daniel, God wants to touch your body. I felt that earlier. I want you to come right here. I haven't talked to you, but I've been talking to God. requirements I want you to come if you feel like that you have not got them full requirements and maybe even if there's just a question maybe maybe I really don't love the Lord God I want to I want to love him with all my heart Maybe you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you really want to just serve like God wants you to serve. You know what I mean? There's a fear of the Lord in here. There's a sovereignty. There's a shift. 